All right. I want to talk to you this morning about uh, the God who is the God of more than enough. Wilson, how are you, my brother? I'm glad you came. Oh, there's a meeting straight after the service regards to those who are interested or coming to Uganda. So important that you um, straight up after the, after the service. So God is the God of more than enough. Uh, God is not the God of limitations. How could there be a limitation on a God who was able to speak and create the universe that we see today? How can there be limitations on a God that has put breath in every lung on the planet right now, more than almost 8 billion people? God is not a God of limitations. God will be as big as we allow him to be. Uh, he's looking for a generation in the age that we live in for people who understand that he is the God of more than enough. So I want to base my message out of the God who is more than enough. And I want to use uh, the scripture uh, about the fishes and loaves. The fishes and loaves, uh, lots of people know about the, the story of the fishes and loaves. Remember, it's not a story, it's a reality. reality. It did happen. In the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you uh, study the Bible and you've been reading it for a long time, you'll notice that some of the Gospels have some stories uh, uh, and some of the Gospels won't actually have that story in it. But the fishes and loaves are one of those um, things that happened that all who wrote the Gospels saw the need to put the fishes and loaves in there. And when you notice that consistency, it is a really, really important uh, truth or reality that God or the those men that were led by the Holy Spirit as they wrote the Gospels that we are needing to hear it and from the different viewpoints of the four writers of the Gospels. So very interesting because the fishes and loaves are in that category. I'm going to use the Matthew version. Uh, Father, I thank you for your word, God. Um, without your word, we would be running, a, running around like blind people because your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, your word lights the path that leads us in the plan that you have for each of our lives individually. Lord, let that light of your word shine in our hearts this morning. God, let us see the wonder of the path that your light can lead us on, that you are indeed the God of the more than enough. Open our hearts, Jesus. Sow your seed this morning. In Jesus' name. So Matthew chapter 14, uh, 13 through to 21 in the NKJV. Good to see you over there, John. Haven't seen you for a while, John. You've been missing me? Because I've been missing you, John. I said to Dale the other week when I was talking to Dale, Dale said, oh, me and John, we're working together now. I don't know. And I said, Dale, you tell John I'm coming for him. I'm coming to find you, John, just to wind you up, mate, because I'm so glad to see you. What a blessing. Okay, stay on track, Keith. Matthew chapter 14, 13 through to 21, from verse 13. Sorry. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by, the, by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out and saw a great multitude... He was moved with compassion for them. Actually, what am I going to do? I'm going to read this slowly, that's right. Sharon, I'm going to read this slowly. 
Let's start again and do it slowly. Terry knows what I'm talking about. Okay. When Jesus heard it. Oh, a little faster. Terry was telling me that, you know, it's all good because we're all learning. We're all, nobody's got, got everything sus. Terry said, was saying that. Sharon had said, you know, t- tell Keith to read the scriptures a little slower. Because, you know, I'm a preacher. I just want to get in there and do it. So I'm taking advice. I am, seriously. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. Verse 14. And when Jesus went out and saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour, the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. Verse 16. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we only have five loaves and two fishes. Jesus, what are you talking about? Kind of thing. Uh, He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled and they took 12 baskets full of fragments and, and uh, that remained. Now those who had eaten there, about 5,000 men besides women and children. What a crazy story. Slow enough? Good, I'm learning, I'm learning. So the disciples, the followers of Jesus, had actually, it's real interesting because uh, in um, another one of the gospel versions, Matthew, Mark, I think it's the Luke version, the disciples had already been extremely busy before this actual miracle took place. See, Jesus had sent the 12 disciples out, uh, out preaching the gospel, and they had seen massive miracles and amazing stuff had happened. And then on returning to Jesus, they uh, tell Jesus what had happened, but it, 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 anyway, uh, and then um, they were trying to get away and have some space because they were actually quite tired and hungry. And um, then the multitude, the need of the multitude just was so, they were just there, they were hungry for Jesus. And before you know it, Jesus was doing his stuff and it was getting later in the day. And now, you know, the disciples in their natural thinking and also because uh, they were tired and also hungry, said, Jesus, send them away. And Jesus responds with not agreement, not thinking, yeah, smart move, disciples, uh, really good thinking, good planning and projection or whatever. He said, you feed them. You feed them. 5,000 men plus women and children. You feed them. And then they, tired, weary, hungry, look to see how they are going to feed these multitudes 
and five, uh, five loaves and two fish. And of course, naturally, you imagine in their head thinking, uh, he has no idea what he's talking about. He, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Can he not see what we have, the little we have, compared to the multitude of need? Real interesting. The multitude of need, so naturally send them away. But here's the thing that you've got to understand. That's that the God that they were serving, they didn't fully understand yet. They were disciples on a path following a, pl- a plan, but they needed to grow their understanding of who he was that they were following. And I think on our journey of life, the thing that I've found as I've been working with, walking with Jesus, and I think I understand who he is, that there is a higher place, a bigger thing that he wants me to understand about the wonder of who he is. And he brings me to these places where I would call them kind of crisis moments where I feel like I don't have enough for whatever he's trying to say to me. And see... Because God is not trying to freak me out or make me feel insecure or weak. God is trying to grow me on my journey of faith and understanding who he is. And every single one of us will come to moments like that in our lives. There are some of you today that are feeling like whatever is going on in your world, that I don't have what it takes to get through this problem. I don't, whatever, I don't have what it takes to get over this barrier that's going on in my life. And my friends, I want to tell you the truth today, that you do have enough because of the one that you serve. Because he is the God of great abundance and of more than enough. And I'm not just talking about wealth, money, material. I'm talking about whatever you are, wherever you are, whatever you're going through. God in you and with you can give you whatever you need to get through where you are. Amen? Sorry? That's better. The God of more than enough. It begins with Jesus seeing the multitude and having compassion. You see, when Jesus looks out upon the multitudes, when the Son of God who came to the earth uh, looked out upon the multitudes, something happens in the heart of this wonderful Jesus Savior. He doesn't harden up. He doesn't ignore. He looks and he sees with this thing called compassion. And the same Jesus who was resurrected and who now sits in heaven when he looks out upon the masses of the multitudes and the generation and the age that we live in, he does not look down with scorn and judgment. He doesn't look down and say that I want to kill all these people. He looks down and is moved with compassion because of what he sees. And see, the world is in a tremendously turmoil, and tremendous turmoil. It's chaotic. Uh, the more and more it goes on, the crazier it seems to get. And Jesus is looking down right now upon all of us here and upon the communities that we live in with a heart of compassion. So you've got to understand That God at the essence of his heart is a God of love and God does not look and some people carry this view of God that he's a harsh, mean God and all he wants to do is condemn me and beat me up for my mistakes but that's not the God of Jesus Christ. Whatever you're going through, whatever mistakes you've made, he doesn't look to condemn, he looks with compassion. Thank you, Jesus, you are compassionate. You know, we are not. How often do we look at other people and we use that ugly side of our nature? We are not compassionate, but quite harsh and judgmental. You know, political persuasions. 
How many people love the Labor government leader at the moment? Ooh. I love Mr. Albanese because he's just changed the law where I can now become an Australian citizen. He did. Oh, Jesus, I love him. Interesting. Anyway, that's another story. I don't want to go down that road. But Jesus looked with compassion and saw the multitude. He feeds them spiritually. And then that compassion doesn't not just exist, exist in the spiritual realm or in feeding the spiritual heart. It exists in the natural where he realizes that these people need a feed. Hallelujah. See, he looks at the whole package in your life. He understands your spiritual need, but he also understands your natural needs. Hallelujah. But they disagree. And in fact, their answer to this Jesus who is speaking from a compassionate heart, who's trying to feed the multitude... And those that he has given the responsibility uh, can't see compassion. All they see is maybe their lack, their hunger, and their tiredness. And something needed to change in those men. And I wonder for us as a church, I wrote in my Thursday thoughts uh, this week about, you know, maybe we... As a church, maybe the church in general is losing the sense of the need for us to help Jesus feed the multitudes in the world that we live in. Maybe we look at the, the multitudes and the, and the a mess of whatever is going on in this world and we are overwhelmed and all we want to do is kind of look after ourselves. But see, that's not the church that Jesus wants us to be. It says this in the Mark version 6:30 to 31 of the fishes and loaves. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Chill out, boys. Let's go chill out. For there were many comings and going. They had not even had time to eat. So that's what I'm trying to say to you. These guys were tired and hungry, and that tiredness and that hungryness kind of, kind of was a blockage to what Jesus wanted them to do. And you know, you imagine, put yourself in one of those, maybe Peter, I don't know, or John, and maybe, you know, put yourself in their head, they've been doing some stuff, we've been serving you Jesus, we've been doing our thing, good stuff happened, and then they are just thinking, man, I'm really hungry. And uh, they're looking at, well, we've got this five loaves and two fishes, and they're feeling hungry, and they're just thinking about, they need this. And then Jesus is challenging these men who are only seeing through their physical hunger, only seeing through their own need and their own lack about the big picture, about the big picture of what Jesus was concerned with. And man, I, I just know in my own life how often I get wrapped up in me. How often I get wrapped up in me and my problems and my, I, my. But nobody else here is like me. 
Nobody else is self-concerned with their own lives and their own needs and wants and problems. You see, the Christian and those that serve Jesus are on a bigger road, a, a bigger path that will, only, will, will not only fill our need and fill our, our purpose and, and our own our natural need. We're on a way bigger path that God knows and wants to fill that, but he also wants to use us to fill the cup of others. Hallelujah. That's what I love about the thing that I do and what I, what I walk with Jesus, that he's helping me not only deal with my own stuff and fill my own cup, but man, he fills my cup to such a way that it is overflowing and fills those around me. See, that's the bigness of the God who has more than enough. And there is a problem in our hearts and in our minds and in our thinking where we trap ourselves and we are blinded by not understanding how big and massive he is and that he understands our own needs anyway. Matthew 6, 33, you know, seek him first. Everything else will work out. It's all good. I got this scripture uh, on my on our Terry's on my last trip to Uganda. Um, and Terry knows. You know, we were there. The last two trips have been very overwhelming. Uh, overwhelming from the point of view of all the people that have needs over there. And uh, overwhelming from the point of view of it's like multitudes. It's like multitudes of need, of multitudes of people who just, and the last trip I remember that night feeling during there when I was there and I was just feeling so overwhelmed and feeling like, you know, God, just send these away. This is too much need. There are too many, the multitude is too big for my little brain and my little package of my five loaves and my two fish. And I'm going to bed thinking that way and I wake up in the morning and like a good old Christian, I, I thought, well, I better get the Bible out. And I open my Bible to this Matthew version of the fishes and loaves and I've got to tell you as I read it that God convicted my heart. He touched my heart and convicted me that I was just like those men that were telling him when he was uh, carrying a heart of compassion for these people that he was telling me to feed them, give them what you got. And I was saying, no, send them away. Send them away. Because you know why? Because my heart was not connected to the compassion that Jesus was carrying for those people. And the bigness uh, made me forget about all the wonderful things that he'd already done in my life and through my life. And I feel like for us, we're at this moment as a church again, where there is a multitude, there is so much more, but where are our hearts? Where are we? God, we don't have enough. I said it. I can't believe, you know, I said it to him. You know, Terry even felt it. It's not just me. It's his problem too. True, Terry? We're both there and we're going, as we were traveling around to all the, and it's like this need, that need, these people, thousand children, and he went to sleep. Maybe he's a bit more spiritual than me, I don't know. But man, I read that thing and it, it convicted me, challenged me, and moved my heart. 
Because God wants me to see that he's even bigger than what we've already seen him be. Would you not rather let God be bigger in your life than limit him? Would you not rather be a person, if you're a Christian, do the journey with him and, and get on this ride uh, with him where he, he does even bigger than what you last saw? Because that's the God that we serve. Ephesians 3.20. I want to talk to you about fear. You see, residing in our hearts, whether we know it or not, is a fear because we live in a generation that is in fear of not having enough. You know, when we're in Uganda, there's a lot of poor people. And a lot of them, when we go there and we try to convince them through the word of the God who has more than enough, is quite the challenge. Because they have, well, I was going to say almost a swear word. They have very little. And sometimes I have this dilemma of thinking, God, can I really teach them this? It's easy for me in the West. But then God says, my word is my word. And see, so poor people can carry this fear that they're not going to have enough. But you know what? It's not just poor people. Many of us here today have a fear that we don't have enough. One of the reasons why Christians don't give is because they are fearful that if they give, they themselves won't have enough. But there's nobody in the room like that, is there here? Anybody here? You know, I've got to tell you, I've been on this journey of being fearful of not giving because I thought I wouldn't have enough from way back. But praise his wonderful wisdom, he gave me a wife who maybe doesn't carry quite that fear. And he's actually grown me uh, from being... I remember way back, it's like, you know, the old wallet had cobwebs on it, man, you know. Okay, I'll give that much or whatever it is. And uh, to the point where he's brought me to today where, you know, it's a different kettle of fish, so to speak. Do you know that the church is the vessel God has given to represent him? And many churches are hamstrung because too many believers are too fearful to give because they have the fear that they won't have enough for themselves because they don't understand that the God they serve is a God who has more than enough for them. And in fact, what God wants to do is pour out into our lives so much that it overflows to the world around us. Oh, he's doing a giving sermon, is he? No. You know what I prayed for everybody here this morning? Let these people have a revelation or a greater revelation Oh, just the wonder of trusting God Amen. by being a giving person. It says in Proverbs, can I have an amen? Am I going anywhere? Is this touching anybody? Sorry? Amen. David, give me a shout. Amen. Good. Proverbs 29 verse 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man brings a snare. You see, fear ensnares your heart, my friend. 
Fear can be in many areas of our lives. When it comes to this area of wealth and giving, if fear is holding you back, it is actually a snare to you. It's actually a trap that's trapped you. It's trapped you and it's robbed you of the immense blessing that God wants to pour into your life. Because I've got to tell you about my experience that as I have chased out this thing called fear in my life, that my God, have I understood what it means that God has blessed my life and blessed in so many ways because snare of fear was broken. Are you sneered? Maybe you want to keep sneered. Maybe you love living in fear about not having enough. I doubt it. Rich people carry the same fear. Terry's heard this again. Uh, John Rockefeller was interviewed. He was the first billionaire in the United States of America. He was interviewed in the late 40s, I think it is, around the 40s or somewhere. A reporter said to Mr. John Rockefeller, who was an incredibly rich man, he was a billionaire, and they said, surely Mr. Rockefeller, you are a billionaire. You are the richest man in the United States of America. Surely now you have enough money. And John D. Rockefeller was quoted as saying this. I'll get it right this time, Terry. I just need a little more. A billionaire with so much money. I mean, David, if you had a billion, dude, you would think all your fears had gone. David thinks if I had, I don't know, whatever. So, my friends, it doesn't matter if you are poor, if you are, you know, your, your average Joe, or if you are a billionaire, that fear will still ensnare your heart if you are not careful. Crazy, billionaire. I mean, you know, and then I was, when I read that quote, I remember thinking to myself, you know what, that's so true. I'm a blessed man. I gotta, you know, I'm, not, I'm blessed, man. But you know, I just need a little more. <laughs> I just, you know, another buck. Snare will ins- uh, fear will ensnare your heart if you don't understand the principles of God. And it says this in Luke 6, 38. See, I'm not cranking you up to give to us. Well, that would be a good byproduct, of course, to the church. Um, I'm wanting to free some people here who are wondering why the blessing is maybe not what it should be because you are ensnared with fear. Says this uh, in Luke six thirty eight. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom, your chest. Men don't. Have, oh, won't say that. <laughs> Who's that heathen laughing at that? For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Generosity creates an atmosphere in your life of the generosity of the kingdom of heaven. You see, and like I said, a lot of people won't give because they're fearful. And, and you know, a lot of people, 
won't give to anything or anybody because it's theirs. Well, that's the spirit of the world. Christians aren't meant to carry the spirit of the world. Five loaves and two fish. How are we going for time? Three minutes and counting. How many people can give me a wave if they've experienced the pressed down and overflowing principle of what I just read you? We've got three, four, five. How many people? Lift it up high because you're, you're testifying to God. Okay. Is that the limit now? No. Have you reached and peaked the limit? No. No. Because he is the God of more than enough. Because he knows your needs, your challenges. But man, if you are a Christian, you are chose, chosen to help him with the multitudes. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, think, according to the power that works in us. No. He says, now to him who is able to do abundantly and above, that means like beyond what you think, beyond wherever you are now with your limitations or whatever, he's the God that can go way beyond where your thinking is right now. And that's what was happening with the, with the um, disciples. He was saying, you know, I'm the God who's going to do more than what you're thinking, boys. You've got to let go of the fish and the loaves. Because if you let go of the fish and loaves, you're going to see something that's going to blow you out of the water. It's going to blow you out of the water and it's going to make your little finite mind expand to the wonder of who I am. Him. Imagine when they pulled in the 12 baskets. What are you laughing at, Sharon? Is the veins popping out again? Slowing down now. Joe, Joe, Joe. I've lost my train of thought. I apologise that your brains aren't as quick as mine. Ah, oh, sorry. Here's the thing. If you can take what you have, whatever it is, whatever with you, you know, whatever, in every aspect of your life, and you, you allow, uh, like Jesus took hold of the fishes and loaves and he prayed and he blessed it. So if you can take your fishes and loaves, whatever that means for you, and you can allow God to touch it with his hand, if you can allow Jesus to touch whatever that limitation that you're carrying, whatever you have, my friend, according to that scripture, he will blow that thing up and make it explode with abundance. Karen, is that right? Amen. Granny, sorry, I forgot your new name. Thirteen years ago, as I close, thirteen years ago, we came to Yarrawonga. Thirteen years ago, Pekka and I came to this town and uh, her and I were co-pastoring it we had 30 or 40 people or something like that, I don't know, something like that. And um, the God who is the God of more than enough, 
who I had experienced in my life all the way to coming to this community, who already had done a whole lot of crazy stuff in my life, who was the same God, for some reason called us to this town, because he wanted us to be with a whole bunch of other people and see, I want to give honour and respect to the people who have been with us on this ride for 13 years, that those people have been people who have had a big brain and a big mind who have been willing to be the people who know that we can take our fishes and loaves and if we give it to Jesus, he's going to blow us out of the water with it. Way back then, 13 years, 13 years, hard labour. Nah. 13 years. And see, this is not to glorify us. This is to tell you who the God is, the God that we serve. 13 years later, we now, out of this church, out of the, out of the people who have given their fishes and loaves, and the God who turned that into 12 baskets is the same God that has turned our fishes and loaves here into, slowing down, so now we have, one, two, three, four, we have 12 churches. 12 churches. Not because of us, but because the God, who was the God of multiplication, took hold of our fishes and lives. That same God who did that, I'm going to read them out. We now have... 12 campuses, 30 plus pastors, two chaplains, two chaplains, two Bible schools, four schools, and a thousand plus children who have fed from the table of our fishes and loaves. But here's the point. The multitudes are still there. We're not done. Because Jesus ain't sitting back now. He is in heaven looking down with a heart loaded with compassion for the world that desperately needs him. I just want to inspire us as a church, you listening. Friends, let him get hold of your fishes and loaves. Life lasts for only a moment when you compare it to eternity. Eternity is real. Life that you are living now, you have been placed in this generation for such a moment and such a time as this. He's selected you, he's formed you, he's made you. To live in this world and not to live in this world full of the snare of fear. But he's put you in this world to be a vessel of the generosity of the kingdom of heaven. Because he wants to use you to outpour upon this planet. And can I have a show of hands from those of us who want to keep going on the road of being part of this. Stephen, put your hand up. (laughs) Amen. Father, we thank you. Can we close our eyes? You know, God, we're just people. We're as dumb as the fishermen. We're as dumb as Peter and John at moments in our lives. But God, you are the God who has compassion for the multitudes. And Lord, move our hearts.
move our hearts. Lord, let there be a real response in our lives to letting you get hold of what we have in order for you to multiply it, to use it to reach this world. And Lord, this morning, if there is a heart here this morning that does not yet know you, Holy Spirit, touch that heart. Touch that heart. Touch that heart, Lord. In the name of Jesus. I know that there are a number of people here this morning who are carrying some weight. I know maybe this message has helped lift a little bit of that weight, but if you this morning are carrying some weight and you need God to touch you wherever you are right now, I just want you to stand up. Every eye closed. If you need a touch from the Master this morning, please stand. Jesus, you see those people standing. And Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus, Father. Father, lift those burdens in the name of Jesus. Lift those burdens, Lord. Lift them from hearts in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, touch, 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 touch. And Lord, answers, let answers come. Let freedom come. Father, I I bind the enemy who has trapped minds in this place this morning. Lord, and I speak hope, the hope of Jesus. And Lord, remind those people that are standing that you have been so faithful already. And release faith in their hearts. In the name of Jesus. Amen.